Before we get started, I have an announcement. I am pumped to be joining up with Rotoballer for the 2021 season. The Draft Champions podcast will be joining the Rotoballer radio podcast network. For a while now, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of you fantasy baseball fans their fix in in-depth MLB analysis, tools, and news. The site and the team is bigger than ever this year with articles, tools, and podcasts for everyone, including contributions from, from me. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Draft Champions listeners can get 10% off the Rotoballer Draft Kit using the, using the discount code CHAMPIONS. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros, accuracy rankers, Nick Mariano and Ariel Cohen. Both Nick and Ariel's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotoballer Premium Draft Kit, along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, more than 300 breakout outlooks, and tons of great draft tools and in-season tools. All of this premium fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code CHAMPIONS. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash radio, get your premium pass today, and win big in 2021. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here today with Charlie Goldsmith from the Cincinnati Inquirer. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm doing good, thank you. It's uh, my first spring training working out here in Goodyear, Arizona, and I'm covering a team this season with lots of questions, lots of interesting conversations that have been going on throughout this first week of camp. Well, that's why I'm at, that's why I've asked you to come on my show because I think um, you're going to be lots of interesting answers that everyone wants to hear. So, um, first of all, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you spending some time with me, and I'll, um, I won't, I'll be careful not to make, take up too much of your time. Get straight to the point here. Um, are there any, uh, is there any news or notes that you want to share with us that's, um, that's recent in the last day or two or three? Yeah, the biggest recent development is TJ Antone and just how he looked in his spring training debut. He was kind of a big, big-time break onto the scene guy last year with the Reds, someone who wasn't a highly regarded prospect very much until – uh, last year, he was one of the most productive rookie pitchers in all baseball. Then he came out in his spring training debut a few days ago and is throwing 99, which is a big-time jump on his fastball. And his slider looks uh, completely revamped as well. Um, that debut makes him a more interesting rotation candidate or maybe even a more interesting closure candidate than he was in the start of camp. Uh, he's someone who really is kind of a different player than we thought heading into camp. That's been the most interesting development recently. As, uh, how fast was he throwing last year? So last year he was around 95 to 97, but it's interesting. He's a, he came up as a sinker ball slider guy, you know, contact, uh, stuff like that, ground balls. Um, but then against the Dodgers, he was blowing stuff by Justin Turner and Max Munchie. So he's not the same pitcher he was. Even the catcher who had caught him throughout the minors said, like, I, I don't recognize the guy. Um, yeah, again, Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tyler Stevenson, I. We can get into more breakout candidates, but it's pretty clear that TJ Antone is going to be in a much bigger role. Uh, that's been my biggest takeaway from the first week of games so far. And I think he was even, I don't, I think he was, velocity was up last year from where it was in, throughout the minor leagues. So um, his, his K numbers weren't that high in the minors and now they're just taking up. And um, his, I think his, his curveball is like disgusting too. Uh, he practices it um, kind of on the backfields, like doing long toss and you'll just see the, like 120 foot curveball he throws and how it slides like 40 feet over. Not really, but I'm exaggerating, but it feels like it because of how much it's been moving. The difference with him though, is whether his fastball command would be good enough for him to be a starter. So far that's been the case. 
Again, Michael Lorenzen is still very much the favorite to be the fifth starter on the Reds. But TJ Anson, again, is setting himself up for a bigger role. Awesome. That's the, that, was, that was definitely on the agenda to talk about. Um, speaking of um, his catcher, Tyler Stevenson, I also wanted to ask you about that because Tyler Stevenson's a guy that I invested in quite a, bot, quite a bit last year. Um, it didn't pay off for me, except for that one weekend where he just like jacked two home runs in that um, one weekend where he was called up and then sent quickly down. Um, I, I feel that if the season was a full season last year, I would have um, that, that um, investment would have yielded a lot more benefit to me. Um, this year, what do you expect from him in terms of his share of playing time and, and um, how do you think he's going to perform? So there are two different conversations to have about Tyler Stevenson. First is this. He's a 24-year-old catcher. You know how many 24-year-old catchers there are going to be in major leagues likely to begin the year? Two or three. So Tyler Stevenson is already ahead of the curve in a lot of ways, even though he was mostly a pitch hitter slash designated hitter last season and only caught one entire game. But on the other hand, he is the Reds' best catching prospect in a long time and one of their best hitting prospects in the last 10 years. Um, the, previously, the Reds' best catching prospect was a guy named Devin Mezzarocco, who you may remember. He had an all-star season, one of the really underrated... 20, 20 jacks and then got hurt, right? Exactly. One of the real underrated hitting seasons for a catcher over the last decade. Like For a hot second, he was the best hitting catcher in baseball. Uh, and yeah. then injuries, et cetera. And I talked to Devin Mezzarocco and he said, you know, Tyler Stevenson's kind of got a better tool, got a better, better package of tools at the plate, maybe even than I had. Uh, so that's high praise. There aren't a ton of uh, catchers with Stevenson's size. He's one of the biggest catchers in all baseball. And with that comes real power that, I mean, he's, he's maybe one of the six best power hitters on the team, but the Reds in particular have a lot of power hitters. Um, so on an average team, he might be even higher than that, just in terms of a uh, warning track or not warning track, but in terms of batting practice power and, you know, how, how well you look in that setting. So at first my gut tells me that uh, Tucker Barnhart's going to get more playing time at the start. You know, he's one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. He knows the pitching staff so well, but the Reds need offense and Tyler Stevenson is going to kind of choose his own adventure in that the more he hits, the more he's going to force himself into the lineup. He's clearly the future at the position for the franchise. The question is how much of that comes to terms this year. And honestly, it's just going to come down to how well he, uh, I think even performs offensively, how well he's able to read pitchers in that setting, how much his power hitting translates immediately. Um, and he'll start to carve out more and more the more comfortable he gets. Right on. That's uh, that's sort of what I expected. So if you, if you had a percentage, would you say like 35% of the playing time to start would be a guess? So the other interesting thing is uh, Tucker Barnhart's a left-handed hitter. Tyler's a right-handed hitter. So you could say that, well, it'll start in a true platoon. David Bell kind of says it, it can't really work like that with the catcher just because you have to split up days and certain matchups. And Right. But that'll give you a, a kind of baseline. So I forget what the split is between righty and lefty pitchers in the league right now. But I think the, the back and forth between Tucker and Tyler will kind of start at as a platoon. But then with Tyler Stevenson gaining more and more of that uh, share over the course of the season. Right on. I, I, I think the split somewhere around 30%, but I believe that National League uh, Central is very, very sparsely populated with left-handed starters. I think there's only like four in that whole, that whole, that whole division. I know the Cubs have none. Anyways, um, speaking of Tylers, there's another Tyler that um, I'm also very excited about on the Reds. Tyler Mollick. Tyler Mollick. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Mollick, yeah. 
I was yeah. wondering if you were going to say him or I was going to say him. So yeah, <laughs> yeah the, Reds believe, the Reds believe in him and I, I can give you some proof. So um, if the Reds didn't believe so highly in Tyler Molly, uh, they would have gotten some sort of innings eater, I think, um, to fill out the rotation after losing Anthony DeScafani and of course Trevor Bauer. They're penciling in Tyler Molly as their third starter, and he's kind of even in a different tier than Wade Miley. He has pitched a ton of innings over the last three years. Um, this will be the first full year he spends in the majors, which is fascinating. Uh, but you know, when you look at some of the advanced stats, he on a you know per pitch basis, he strikes out hitters at a high rate. He doesn't give up a ton of homers. He's just gonna. He's a really good athlete, and that really translates on the mound. He's able to go deep into games later in the season. He, he's just a really good pitcher that a lot of teams in the NL Central would love to have as their third starter. He'll be one of the better third starters in the NL Central, I think. Um, he was one of the Reds' top pitching prospects, and now, you know, we're entering his, I want to say his prime, but his, uh, him delivering on that potential. We're, we're in that phase where the Reds are really counting on Tyler Molly, and he's earned that. One of the criticisms of Molly is that um, he, doesn't, he doesn't go deep into starts. Now he he does have a he has accumulated a lot of innings over the last couple of years, but um, I believe that he averaged less than five innings per outing and five innings per start last year. Um, well, here, here's my pushback on that. Here's my pushback on that. The reason Tyler Molly has been pitching deeper in the games is because um, he's been kind of switching between a long relief role and a starting pitcher role a lot. And he hasn't been able to spend a whole off or not off season, a whole spring training, then into the regular season and into the midseason as a starter. He has had a number of outings where he's gone seven. Um, but again, just because he's young one and two, because he's uh, kind of switched roles a couple times, he hasn't been able to show that as off. But like, I, I believe he pitched a perfect game in the minor leagues. He's been going long innings for a while when he's really built up to do so. Cool. Right on. Um, so um, Lorenzen. Now he, I believe Lorenzen actually has less uh, innings, uh, far less innings over the last uh, two years, uh, 19 and 20, 2019, 2020, than um, TJ Ancon and, and Tyler Molly. So um, he looks like he looks like he's on the, on the, on the, on the path in the number five starter, but um, could it, could he or Miley be overtaken by Anton or uh, Jose De Leon because Jose De Leon he, he's had an interesting offseason as well good question um first with Lorenzen it's just that uh you know the past few years he's been a bullpen he's been a bullpen guy in 2019 he was the setup guy in 2020 he entered the years the setup guy struggled they moved him to a long relief role and after they made that change he had a 1.91 ERA the rest of the year uh, they believed so strongly in Lorenzen down the stretch that they gave him two starts and kind of do or die games in the last two weeks of the regular season so they've kind of uh, expressed their belief in Michael Lorenzen. Um, and I doubt that however Lorenzen looks in spring training is going to too significantly change how they view him. Uh, Wade Miley's just got to be healthy. He is someone the coaching staff even would put, uh, they've said, you know, he, he kind of even had a leg up on Michael Lorenzen heading into camp just because he's one of the most proven experienced pitchers the Reds have, one of the three or four. Um, he's done it for a long time. He just wasn't healthy last year and they signed him to fill a role and then never got to see how that looked last season. So I think it's them liking Miley and Lorenzen is what give them the edge into camp over Anton and DeLeon. I think DeLeon was great in the Dominican league over the, uh, over the winter, 
but um, I he he still has to show that he has enough pitches consistently over a long track record, and I don't think that spring training is enough ramp up time for him to overtake one of those players. Antone would be the one to watch, um, but David Bell loves multi inning relievers out of bullpen and high leverage situations. Uh, Antone was the second best. Uh, pitcher out of the bullpen in baseball last year behind Devin Williams. So those are some of the reasons why I see Miley and Lorenzen holding onto those spots. Right. And um, the only, the thing with Lorenzen is he, like, I just, I, I think um, I read somewhere. It could have been, it could have been on your, uh, it could have been something that you posted that Lorenzen's fastball was averaging 97 last year and he's only up to 93 this year, but you got to take that with a grain of salt and sort of inversely like uh, Deleon, he's, he's setting records for his own personal records for his velocity. And I think the horizontal or vertical movement on his, on his slider is just like um, significantly um, increased. Yeah. uh, Deleon's had, had one nice outing, one okay outing, one really nice outing though. Uh, but Lorenzen is doing something very intentional. Uh, he he can throw a hundred. Um, he's trying to because he's preparing to throw 180, 200 innings this season. He's trying to do the slow build, the slow ramp up, and not come out of the gate throwing as hard as he can. Uh, last year, for example, during spring training, he was throwing 99 almost. Excuse me, 99 on almost every fastball he threw. So it's a very intentional, deliberate thing he's doing. Remember that he probably, aside from Sonny Gray and Wade Miley, is the most experienced pitcher on the Cincinnati Reds. Just in terms of the amount of innings he's thrown over his entire career, he's been on the Reds since 2015, one of the longest tenured player on, players on the team. So he has kind of bought that uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? He, he has the leeway to – have a poor spring training outing if it means that he's working on things and improving as a pitcher. Um, you know, for example, if Sonny Gray came out throwing a little below his uh, fastball velocity, you know, you, he, you know, you have a track record there. And while Michael Lorenzen hasn't been the all-star that Sonny Gray is, he has been, he has been a proven major league pitcher for a while now. So I'm not too concerned about anything I've seen from him in spring training. Right on. Um, so you, you alluded to the closer, the closer role a little bit, but um, you got you got you got um, T.J. Anton as a potential um, option there, but then you also have Sims, who's a little bit banged up right now, and then you have um, Amir Garrett. What do you? What's your take on that whole cl- um, closer situation? Amir Garrett's definitely the favorite, um, but I think just over the course of the year, you'll see uh, Sims, Garrett, and Anton all get chances. Um, I think that David Bell might even have a couple like multi-inning saves with guys like Sims and Antone. Garrett's the one who is most suited to the traditional closer role. Last year, the Reds basically only used him when they had the lead in the seventh or the eighth or the not to select extra innings and tie games. Uh, so if the Reds do have one like designated closer, Garrett would probably be the guy. But David Bell likes to likes to be creative with his bullpen and how he uses guys. You saw that a ton last year with Lucas Sims and um, with Rice Iglesias as well. So I think that since there isn't a guy who is the closer, like Rice Iglesias had been for the Reds since, uh, what, 2016, that uh, you will see multiple players uh, in safe situations. Cool. Um, one of the other battles or, um, that I'm interested in, um, and this is, this is probably somebody I'm most invested in, in from a fantasy perspective, is the shortstop for the Reds um, or a shortstop candidate, and that would be Jose Garcia. Um, 
my 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 confidence in him getting playing time has sort of uh, gone back and forth over the uh, over the preseason. At first, I thought, okay, I think they're going to really start him because I heard something. That, I'll just tell you, I heard that David Bell, um, I heard David Bell in an interview in October, and what he, he talked about Jose Garcia, and he said. Um, he said, and I'm just saying this for the for the purposes of the people listening. I'm sure that you know, um, but he said he said that um, although De, um, although Garcia, like he's defensively ready, but although he had poor results in 2020 in that limited sample, um, he's a lot closer than people think. And um, I think that like he thinks he was like um, he was saying that he was hitting the ball well. He just wasn't getting the results. And I think he's 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 um, he's closer than people think. And then the fact that that made me think that they weren't going to go out and get a shortstop. So once Angelton Simmons passed them by, Semyon passed it by, um, Didi, they didn't get any of those guys. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe they want Jose Garcia up here. But now uh, I'm sort of thinking, yeah, he's probably going to have to start in the minor leagues, but I'm thinking maybe not for that long. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so all indications are that Jose is going to start the year in the minor leagues. The Reds have said he's their shortstop of the future, uh, however much stock you want to put behind that. But I don't have the stats in front of me, but he had like – 28 strikeouts and what maybe one walk and no extra base hits last season. It's just him catching up offensively, um, which has been the issue. I don't see him starting uh, early in the season at all uh, in the major leagues. They want to get him consistent playing time. And uh, the way he's hit during spring training has been an improvement from what he showed in the major leagues last year, but it's not necessarily screaming that this is someone you have to get in the lineup right now. So on that note, I think Cal Farmer will will get the lion's share of at bats at shortstop. Not D, not um, D Gordon, D Strange Gordon. Yeah, I mean he's fast. Uh, you know, for the last three seasons, if you look at on base percentage and and uh, OPS for players who have at least, I believe, a thousand at bats, Strange Gordon uh, ranks at the bottom or near the bottom in those categories. Um, and then how big a difference is there defensively between Strange Gordon and Farmer? I, I, I personally don't see a huge difference. Um, I heard he was working with their Barry Larkin. Um, Gordon was. And he's he, been working with Barry Larkin for the last 10 years. And hey, a lot of that's worked out. Um, Strange Gordon uh, for a while was a very good shortstop, you know, like the 2010 to 2013 range. Of course, he hasn't played the position much at all since 2013. And um, if he makes the team, I would see it as a, as a utility role off the bench. Someone who honestly doesn't even get many pitch hit at bats, uh, but starts when uh, farmer doesn't at shortstop. That's like, that's the, the, the competition I see is the backup infielder competition between strange Gordon, Blandino and uh, Kyle Holder and Max Schrock. Okay. So the fact that um, you don't, you don't, you don't take much, um, you don't take, you don't, you don't make much of the comment by David Bell, um, about, um, Jose Garcia being very, very close to ready. Like the way I read into it was weeks or maybe a month away. Yeah. I mean, again, he's the future and it's, I want to, uh, I mean, he's, he's a different player from Tyler Stevenson, but you know, if he comes out hitting, then you'll find a way to get him in the lineup. But the thing is how quickly in AAA is Jose Garcia going to explode offensively to the point where you can't deny him anymore in the minors? Um, <clears throat> from what we saw last year, I mean, David Bell said they rushed him to the majors last year. He had never taken an at-bat above A-ball. Let's start him out. I guess you couldn't start him out in AAA in May, but uh, until May. But let's start him out in the minors to start the year, see how he hits, get him every day playing time. He's someone that they've kind of gone out of their way to get extra at-bats in spring training so far. 
Um, they're trying to see or trying to help him progress at a faster rate, but ultimately it's just going to come down to where his bat is. Okay. So what about some other prospects um, um, in terms of their ETA this year? Will they make it a significant impact? Uh, guys that I'm thinking about are Lodolo, Muriel Batista, and Jonathan India. Like I'm thinking probably not much significant at playing time. Uh, yeah. So India is the most interesting. Uh, he aside from or him and Garcia have been the two that they've gone uh, as, as much as possible to get. They've done as much as possible to get bats and playing time during spring training because um, mostly in India's case, but also in Garcia's case, they didn't get as much playing time as they could have last year with no minor season. Um, and India, here's why India is close. The Reds, to put it politely, have very limited infield depth. Um, they've, and so like, for example, at, all the options I listed for backup shortstop are also their only options for backup second baseman and backup third baseman, um, and also backup first baseman, except for one other guy who's a minor leaguer, um, who's also an outfielder. So take that as you will. So if one injury happens to a starter on the big league club in the infield, they're going to need someone. And if India is hitting well, which he has during the first spring training, then you can really have an argument that, uh, he could be the guy that the Reds call up and give every day-ish playing time at either second base or third base or, you know, Votto gets her, move Moustakis to second and play India, or move Moustakis to first and play India at second. Uh, that's the road to India getting everyday playing time this season. And it's the most likely road compared to Lodolo, for example, who probably is like in the 9 to 11 range in the hierarchy and the starting rotation in the organization, uh, looking at depth all the way through the minors. Um, he uh, pitched uh, a lot in summer camp last year, that second camp kind of struggled. Uh, he looked very good in his first uh, appearance, uh, then had another good outing in a B game the other day. Um, threads like him a lot, but he, I think is a little farther away than Jonathan India. Cool. So, um, the, the, ne the next important question for all of us fantasy guys are, and girls are, is the um, outfield log jam that's uh, sort of been established in Cincinnati. I want to see Nick Senzel get full-time playing time. Break my heart. So that's the thing. Like, you know, Nick Senzel is one of their top hitting prospects in a long time. But what are you going to do? Let's start in right field. Nick Castellanos is playing every day when he's healthy. That's just what they signed him to do. That's what they did last year. He's their second hitter in the lineup. Arguably their most talented hitter, him or Suarez. Um, Castellanos certainly has a longer track record so Castellanos and right now oh. let's go to left field let's say we're facing a righty if, you, if the Reds are facing a righty I think there's no doubt that Jesse Winker is going to be in the lineup and I believe that Jesse Winker should also be in the lineup against left-handed hitters pitchers as well Jesse Winker was the Reds best hitter statistically last season and for a month he was the best hitter in all baseball um, his bat his the ball just explodes off his bat uh, he's a smart hitter. It's great power um, and really has earned an everyday spot. We'll see if he gets it or not, but he's earned it more than uh, Senzel or Shogo Akiyama has. And then again, so let's say the Reds are facing a right-handed pitcher. Well, then who do you want leading off? Probably Shogo Akiyama, who hit in the 300s in September, who the Reds signed, gave a solid uh, contract from Japan to be their leadoff hitter. Um, and is much, much better against righties. If you don't play Shogo against righties, you're not playing him and you have an $8 million bench player. So that's Damn, three spots. Bucks. 
something like that. Um, but Jeez. I mean, the Reds paid him to be a starter. The Reds paid him to be a starter, certainly. Um, so, I mean, that's three guys. Winker has to start against righties because that's he, that he's, he's one of the better hitters in baseball against righties. Yeah. Castellanos has to start because that's what he does. And then Shogu is the best leadoff hitter on the roster, especially against righties. So that's three. Nick Senzel last year started against lefties when he was healthy. He started in the playoffs, I believe, game one against the left-handed pitching Max Free. Um, so that at least, you know, I can guarantee he's going to do that. And the Reds will work him in uh, against certain matchups against righties as well when Shogo or Castellanos or Winker um, aren't in the lineup. Uh, you know, my, my guess is against right-handed pitchers, those three that I mentioned start more often than not, and they work Senzel in. Um, but it's, it, it's harder to find a spot or to make an argument for Senzel in the lineup against righties than it is anyone else on the team. Even though he's again one of the best hitting prospects the team has had in recent memory. Well, you did you did just break my heart, but um, Winker Winker is an interesting one. Um, Winker is um, almost being drafted as late as Senzel at, at at times, so maybe he's um, he might be he might be a very good value actually. Um, um, so speaking of the order, this is the last thing I wanted to ask you about is the you sort of alluded to it, but what do you expect the batting order to be um, on opening day? Like from from first to last. Yeah, so they they face a right-handed pitcher on opening day. Who they so, play? Who they, who they play? Remind, St. Remind Louis. St. Louis. Okay. St. Louis. So Jack 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 play. And um, again, so literally yesterday, the Reds uh, had kind of most of their starters in the lineup for the first time all spring, basically one to seven, and um, show goes batting leadoff and playing center field, and show goes a very good. Uh, Shogo's a very good defensive outfielder. He was very good in the field yesterday. And again, he's, if you're not batting him lead off against righties, then well, that's what he does best. So Shogo batting lead off against righties. Uh, again, we'll focus on righties now because they'll face one on opening day. I would have Nick Castellanos batting second. It's what he did the entire stretch run of the, or the entire basically last 50 games of the 2020 uh, regular season and the playoffs. Um, they've invested in Votto as their third hitter. Um, that's what happened when they brought him back from uh, they, they kind of benched him midseason. They brought him back. Votto made some adjustments to be more of a power hitter. And he was actually pretty good for the rest of the season. Um, a, a solid three hitter in that lineup. And then he gives you a lefty to break it up between uh, Castellanos and then Suarez batting fourth. I think that's pretty much a lock Suarez. What he he's second in the base in baseball behind Mike Trout in home runs over the last three years. Then um, fifth, I think I think this is the most interesting fifth six Mustakis Winker. I uh, right so yesterday they had Mustakis over Winker. That could change. I think Winker more than anyone can hit his way up the lineup uh, and move up from that six spot. That's what he did last year when he was so high. Uh, they actually batted Joey Votto leadoff for a stretch, and Winker became the number three hitter, and he was excellent. Uh, so Winker could hit his way up, but he'll probably start the year batting six. Then I'm not sure how, to, how it would shake out seven and eight between Tucker Barnhart, a catcher, and the shortstop, probably Cal, Cal Farmer. Uh, because Cal Farmer has historically been – he's actually a great hitter against lefties and has been worse against – has been not very good against righties. Obviously, he's not an everyday player. He's been good against lefties, so he can't be as, as good against righties. Um, so I'd probably have Tucker eight and Farmer nine. And then Hooley opening, opening day starter B. My money is on Sonny Gray, who started last year and who reported to spring training on time. Luis Castillo didn't because of travel issues. That's not a concern at all. 
Uh, but uh, Sonny Gray has kind of had more time to build himself up. I could see him looking better during spring training for that reason. He has looked very good. And we haven't seen Luis Casio yet. We'll see him today in a B game. Maybe because of that delay, uh, Sonny starts first. But, I mean, those are two of the best pitchers in the National League. Uh, no problem with either one there. Right. So you're saying, so, okay, just to summarize, you said Shogo, Castellanos, Votto, Suarez, and then some sort of uh, mix between Moustakis and Winker, 5-6, and then 7-8 would be the catcher and the shortstop. Correct. And, and well, it, it, it would be different against the lefty. I'll give you that, too. I do okay. think Senzel will lead off against lefties. Castellanos, Votto, it'll be the same here. Castellanos, Votto, Suarez, Moustakis, Winker. Um, <clears throat> There would be no show going in the lineup, but the top six I do think would remain the same uh, because the only right-handed bat that I didn't name earlier who maybe would start against lefties would be Aristides Aquino, who's a whole nother case study. Um, I do think that Jesse Winker has earned the ability to start above Aquino against left-handed pitching, uh, even though Aquino could bounce back this season. Um, then, well, actually – what in my official prediction against lefties, what I did was I hit Tyler Stevenson six to break up Moustakis and Winker in the lefty right oh, with, the, with the right in between them. So against lefties, I did have Moustakis five, Stevenson six, because Stevenson actually has historically in last season, even in majors, has been a very good power hitter against lefties. So Stevenson six, Winker seven, eight would be uh, Cal Farmer, and then nine would be the pitcher. Right on, right on. All right. Well, um, that's all I had. Um, did you have anything else to add? That's it. That's it. That's all. That's all the questions I have. I think you, you, you answered them brilliantly. So that was, I think that's like, this was extremely informative for me and I think my listeners as well. Well, thank you. Well, thanks Charlie. Um, why don't you, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter, your handle and, and, um, maybe, um, uh, plug any work that you have or, or, um, or um, tell us a link to uh, any of the resources that you sh- uh, that you uh, provide. Well, thank you. Um, all my work is on Cincinnati.com. I kind of de- dig deep into there. All kind of all the questions we discussed today, from shortstop to Lorenzen to Antone, to Suarez to Winker to Shogo, etc. All all up there on Cincinnati.com, and my Twitter handle is at charlieg underscore underscore. Beauty. Well, Charlie, thanks again. I really appreciate you taking the time with me, and um, I will. Um, I will talk to you later. Yep. Bye. Gazing through my roster, such huge upside. Wondering if the Nelson the Met will survive. Hoping that I can start Max Scherzer this time. After all, there is two starts for us. And here we are still fapping for our lives. Watching all of history repeat itself time after time I'm just a streamer I stream my fab away I'm just a streamer 
I watch Plesak go down to Columbus. I'm seeing that Mize just got reassigned. I embrace for those who will outbid us this time. I'm just a streamer. I stream my fab away. Oh, yeah. I'm just a streamer. Advert as only. The highest bidder may be low or overpriced. It doesn't If we could trust the ground When will Brady Singer, Yates and Clarity Be done I'm just a streamer I stream John Gray Away I'm just a streamer 